do you tell your child if they have cancer? You know, do you just say it? You know, that kind of thing. And do you talk about death? Do you not? It was a big, big, big shock. We'd always seen the world this way, and now this world of childhood cancer was suddenly... Very real. Very real. His blood results kept coming back normal, which was really baffling everyone. They have no idea what causes childhood cancer. It, it's, it could be environment, it could be genetics. It was not even on our radar. How is it possible that all things could work together for good to those who are called by God and those who love Him? Welcome and thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. You know, I was reading in the Bible this morning from Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and there's a, an incredible promise there. All things work together for good to those who love God. Yes, those words are very encouraging, especially when you can see that all things are working together for good. Yeah, when all things are working and you see that your work is working out, you've got a good job, you've got good health, your kids have good health and, and they're doing well and you have enough money in the bank. But what if things aren't working well? When you, what if you can't see that it's working out well? Today we are visiting in the home of Nick and Mary Corsi here in Lillooet, BC. They have an amazing story of how their faith was tested. Welcome Nick and Mary and thank you for joining us on Eddie's Written Canada. Thank you. Nick and Mary, the way in which you came to Canada, you didn't always live in Lillooet, British Columbia where we are today. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, right before we uh, came here, we had been um, living in Southeast Arizona in a little town of Wilcox, working for a family farm. We were very happy there and, and then the farm decided uh, to close. And so then we were left wondering what God had in store for us. We were like, not sure what to do and uh, got a call of an opportunity up in Lillooet, BC. We loved the situation, it was great, but um, our hearts were kind of in going back east to Alabama, closer to family. Uh, a close family friend gave us some uh, mm -hmm. advice and, and guidance. Yeah. The decision that we ended up making was, based off of that, was what's best? What's the best environment for your children? Spiritually. Um, yeah, physically, spiritually, mentally. And so we chose to come here with our hearts kind of not in it, but knowing that this is where God's leading us. And so your, your faith is already being tested and you were trusting the Lord, he was guiding you. Nico is your firstborn. So we've got Nico and V, who's your other little boy. And uh, little Nolly wasn't here at that time. Nope, no, she was she on was, the inside. She was, <laughs> she was uh, on her way out. So that was in September of 2017. Mm -hmm. So we were here a few months. Just about a month. And uh, that's when we started noticing Nico had a little bump on his cheek. And at first we didn't pay much mind to it. He'd never really been sick before. We did take him in just as a precaution, you know, um, and the doctor, our family doctor, thought it was just a sebaceous cyst. It would dry up on its own. So yeah, we kind of left it at that, but uh, it just kept growing. 
So even your doctor, Dr. Hoff, who was yeah. in town, he had measured um, the, the cyst or what he thought was a cyst on, on Nico's face to begin with. And he thought this isn't really all that important, right? right. It was just by providence that, we, that he was even on campus. And we didn't go to the office. He was coming to get carrots from the farm. Mm -hmm. The Dixons are friends. Yes. They said, hey, you should go check out Nico. And so he showed up at our house. Yeah. And that triggered this whole chain of events. It was sometime about four weeks before Christmas. Um, we, we were in dialogue and obviously we were friends with Nick and Mary. And we had been kind of going, following through this process of knowing that this growth is growing on um, Nico's face. And we know that we knew that he had gone to the, the local doctor, which is our doctor as well, Dr. Hoff in, in Lytton. He had come up and bought carrots and squash from Fountain View. And so there was a, there was an ongoing relationship there. Dr. Hoff, he had initially seen Nico, but then he was apparently out of the office and they were trying to get a follow-up visit with Nico. And they said, well, Dr. Hoff's out for the for three or four weeks, some, some long period of time. That was quite concerning, especially because this thing is getting bigger on Nico's face. One day, Dr. Hoff randomly stopped by the, um, by the farm here to buy some carrots. And I had gotten to talk with him and I said, hey, would you consider coming up to the house and just taking a look. And he, he agreed to do that. And so he, he came from the from the farm up to their house and he, he took a look at Nico and he's like, oh, you know, it doesn't look much worse. But I mean, you know, his mom, she sees him every moment. And so she's like, you know, it's definitely getting better, bigger. And so he's like, well, let, do you have a tape measure? So we found a tape measure and he was able to pull up his files from the doctor's office. And he, he realized that yes, it was growing and actually growing quite fast faster than he had originally thought just by looking at him. And he ordered a, a, a stat um, or an emergency, I guess you could say ultrasound, is that correct? I think so. Yeah, and so then he, he said, you need to go in and, and have this done right away. Looking back on that situation, we we saw that as, as God leading for sure and answered a prayer because, I mean, it could have been four weeks later, five weeks later, it could have just snowballed and taken much longer to get him in and actually seen a doctor but just everything lined up, it, from, from our perspective, lined up perfectly. He consulted with a pediatrician who suggested we take him into the ER to get it ultrasound. And we did that. And um, at that point, a radiologist had said it was not cancerous and that it was just a different kind of cyst, um, an epithelial cyst. And so then we followed back up with our family doctor who quickly referred us to a plastic surgeon and they got us in rather quickly as well. Um, and he was able to be seen on the plastic surgeon's last day before his holiday on December 21st. And if you hadn't have had the procedure on the 21st of December, you would have had to wait until the new year yeah. to even yeah, do the procedure, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just in that one month, month and a half, it had, I mean, it's growing exponentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's okay. becoming visible. He's having trouble with some of his vision, being right. able to see down. Right. And we would have, we don't know. Just, it was amazing um, looking back that the chain of events transpired you, that you way. could see on the pictures how quickly that had grown yeah. um, just within a few days a few weeks, few weeks and yeah. uh, so if he had not gotten in at that specific time then it could have been at least about three weeks later before he would have seen someone who was a specialist a minimum yeah. of three weeks later yeah he didn't complain about any pain no. or anything no. like that no no I mean touch it whatever 
It's not painful at all. Mm -hmm. It was more just visible than right. for him. Mm -hmm. We're so thankful that it was in such a visible area. With this type of cancer, it can uh, be internal, and then you don't know. Right. Uh, some families don't know that their child has it until it's the tumor is way bigger. So you went in, saw the plastic surgeon. Plastic surgeon came out and said, "Hey, I got rid of it. It's okay." No, unfortunately for us and the plastic surgeon who was visibly upset, uh, this was not his area of expertise. And so he came out and met us in the post-op area and proceeded to inform us that it was not a cyst as they had thought. He told us that at that point, BC Children's Hospital would yes. be taking over care. We spent two days at Kamloops Hospital until the pediatrician convinced BC Children's that Nico looked fine um, and that he should be able to go home for Christmas. His blood results um, came, kept coming back normal, which was really um, baffling everyone. They had sent the biopsy also to down to Vancouver to the Children's Hospital. And so that took a few days to get down there because of um, the weather and the holidays. And so we didn't actually get um, the, the full pathology, the final one for a few weeks um, afterwards. And so they let us go home with the promise that we'd show up at BC Children's the day after Christmas to do scans and tests and everything. And so at this point, we've been told by the pediatrician at Kamloops that she doesn't think it's what they think it is. Yes. And so we're thinking naively, oh, it could just be something innocent. Yes. You know, and we're so uh, hopeful Yes. and confused and shocked even at this point that um, you know we we feel like there's a chance it's something simple and so we we go home have christmas go to bc children's they do um, a pet scan pet scan and we wouldn't hear anything for another week or so yeah and then uh, i think it was a thursday they called us the fourth i think of january mm -hmm. to tell us they, they the plan is for us to come down and he needs some treatment mm -hmm. and at the time we they hadn't really told us the official diagnosis. Yes. So we were a bit confused. So I was like, okay, you know, what is it? Yeah. And that's when she officially told us the, the diagnosis. It ended up being um, rhabdomyosarcoma, mm -hmm. which is a soft uh, tissue cancer. So they said they'd get back to us to tell us when they want us to come down. And so that next Monday, we got a call saying, come down today, yes. plan to be here two or three weeks. At the time they were telling us that he would need treatment every three weeks and not much else. We're just uh, reeling, trying to take in this information. At the same time, they wanted to do more testing, which is frustrating to us because they didn't want to yeah. tell us yeah. everything until they were sure what they knew from all the testing. So they did a bone, uh, bone marrow biopsy mm -hmm. and they put in a port, mm -hmm. which is surgically implanted under the skin. Ooh, that must've been hard on him. Yeah, so they sat us down later that week after they had their tumor board, which is where a bunch of doctors, all the specialties get together and discuss him uh, to determine what's the best. Should they do the three modalities, surgery, chemo, and radiation or not? And uh, kind of gave us their report. They told us, you know, this is what their plan is, radiation and chemo. Yes. Surgery, uh, they ruled out because it would be disfiguring at this point and that um, they wanted to start the next day. Wow. Do you remember Nico's reaction? He's, he's being prodded and poked and cut and... He's terrified. Yeah, he struggled, um, you know, when they had to draw blood, whenever they put in an IV. I mean, yes. it just, I, he had never really been to the doctor other than just basic checkups. He's never had to get 
blood taken. Um, it was very traumatic for him. And for us as parents trying to um, know how we can help him. Right. And we just, you know, how to make it easier for him. He doesn't understand yes. really what's going on. Even as much as, you know, we sat him down um, between Christmas and, and, the, and the official talk that we had with the doctors and, and told him, um, you know, we had done some research, like how do you tell your child if they have yeah. cancer? You know, do you just say it? You know, that kind of thing. And do you talk about death? Do you not? Yes. And so we had to have a serious conversation with him mm -hmm. and present uh, what we th felt he could handle. Right. And, you know, he's like, we're like, do you have any questions? He's like, no. And he just went back to playing. You know, for him, yeah. uh, it just didn't sink in, yes. you know, like mm -hmm. it does for us. And later he had questions once he started mm -hmm. seeing stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. But at the time, you know, it didn't really phase him. So we were relieved about that. But in this in this process, we're grieving. Yes. Because uh, it's cancer. And shock. And shock. shock and grieving. Big right? shock. And uh, cancer's real now. It's official. Mm -hmm. It's not a mistake. We, mm -hmm. we, we were hoping that there was a chance it was nothing. And we were hoping that maybe now that they removed it, it would yes. be gone, right? Yeah. Um, but we were seeing it grow back. Yeah. Oh. It was growing back within just the few weeks between that initial uh, surgery to when um, he started chemotherapy. Yeah, the plastic surgeon, being that that's his specialty is not anything to do with cancer, um, just decided to cut out what he could see from the, the tumor. Right. Yes. And so he didn't get what they call clear margins, which would eliminate all the the, the cancer cells. Yes. I mean, it just takes one for it to grow back and you have mm. to have healthy tissue all the way around. And I don't know that he could have at the time mm. because it would have been very uh, disfiguring. So it grew back in about three weeks. We had to start accepting it at that point. Yeah. You know, we had never thought about childhood cancer. We always thought that we were giving our children the best chance. Mm. So it was not even on our radar. We had made all of these changes before we started having kids and they had always been plant-based and, um, you know, whole foods and trying to live in the country and get fresh air and exercise and drink water and, you know, all of those types of things. And so um, it was a big, big, big shock. We'd always seen the world this way and now this um, world of childhood cancer was suddenly very real very real and uh understanding that you know they they have no idea what causes childhood cancer it it's it could be environment it could be genetics um it's not it's not lifestyle um some babies are born with cancer from the womb you know and so um yeah so then that was it was a, a big big mm -hmm. big shock You know, in the back of your head, you you think of a of someone fighting cancer, right? And at least my experience, very rarely do you have someone that goes through a cancer experience and come out alive on the other end. Most of the people, family members or friends that I saw go in to start to have cancer, they never survived. I didn't really think about it a lot, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know what? This could this could end the way I the way I've always pictured cancer ending, right? There was um, a lot of tears. I just remember so often thinking to myself um, that she was so strong and recognizing that for a lot of parents, they were living the worst thing that we often think could happen to our children. And just watching God carry them through each day. Some days were better days, some days were a lot harder days, but regardless, God was just sustaining them. And for me, um, it just, 
made me realize in a tangible way how real God was. So now, Nick and Mary, you're living in the world of cancer, a terrible place, dark place to go into. What's it like? You know, in general, we're just surviving day to day. And uh, what do we need to get done today? What do we need to plan? How do we need to, you know, we have a dog. We've got to figure out who's going to take care of our dog and our cat and uh, where we're going to live. And we, we found out where we were going to live. We had to, you know, start the process. They wanted to start uh, treatment the next day. We committed to the process. You know, it was kind of a bit of a whirlwind. And so by the time he even got the chemo, um, you know, we were just going with it. That first treatment went pretty well. He didn't really have much nausea. He had some arm and leg pain. Mm -hmm. We were expecting the baby in a couple months at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we just kind of settled in and got into the cycle of going to the hospital, depending on the treatment cycle. It's three weeks of uh, repeating uh, 13 times, I think it was. And so the first week is a more intensive chemo treatment uh, that would n knock out his immune system, basically. And then the next two weeks, uh, a, min uh, a lesser type chemo it doesn't affect the immune system, allowing it to recover for the next one, the next round. So that first three weeks went pretty smoothly. We we're like, okay, we can handle this. Um, you know, his appetite hadn't really dropped. His uh, energy level was still good. The, the fourth week is a treatment of five days in a row. And that's where kind of the wheels fell off the wagon for us. Yeah. By the time we got to week four, um, his hair started coming out a little bit. This treatment causes diarrhea is one of the side effects. He started getting midweek, very nauseous. We tried to give him his medicine in the morning and he'd start throwing it up. His weight went from 19.4 to 16.6 kilograms and he just really was struggling. And so um, they suggested at that point, if you get an NG tube put in, um, that way we can feed him even when he's sleeping or whatever, and he can get his medicine in without having to take it orally. When he got the NG tube, I think that was really difficult for me uh, because it was just such a visual reminder. We're already struggling with the fact that, you know, he's, he's six. He doesn't have much control of his life in general as a six-year-old, and then they're pumping stuff into him yes. through his body and his nose. He has no control of, of what's happening to his body. And it was really just day by day. We didn't know, especially during the harder weeks, we didn't know how the day would go and if he would be pukey all day or if he would be fine. And yeah. so you just, we learned uh, those first few months just to take it, what, the day. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just right. take it by the day. Right. And in the meantime, because he has a port, it's a bacterial risk because it's uh, exposure, your body's being exposed somewhat to the outside world. And so anytime he got a cold, uh, um, he'd usually get a fever mm -hmm. and that's an instant trip to the ER. They draw blood from his port, draw blood from his arm, that way they can culture it. They have to stick this swab way up in his nose, which he horribly hated, but that's a way to determine what type of virus it is. So while constantly those weeks of not knowing how he's gonna handle the chemo, it was also, when's he gonna get sick? Um, and so it's, it, you can't really plan your life beyond three weeks of treatment, and then if you get sick, then it's day to day. It was paralyzing is the word that I could think of because, you know, people say, well, you know, what are you doing? What do you guys do? 
I don't what remember. What do you do all day? We just try to survive. You know, you yeah. try to you try to live for those off weeks. Try to make it fun. Mm -hmm. do exciting fun things and so we'd go to you know indoor bounce places when we felt like uh, he hadn't the able to do that and just try to do normal things yeah. right like yeah take him out to ride his bike or yeah. yeah so in the midst of all of this now you're expecting nolly um what does that look like i mean there's a lot going on uh the emotions must be pretty high yeah yeah, um, we didn't know uh, when she would be coming. Uh, and then we didn't know how that would correspond to where Nico would be in treatment at that time. Mm -hmm. So then um, it was such a blessing to be able to, to have support from the midwives in uh, having the flexibility to either give birth in Abbotsford, um, where we were living at the time, or uh, in Vancouver at BC Children's, if if that's where Nico ended up being at that time as well. We came to the point in Nico's treatment where he needed to be inpatient. Um, so then we decided that all of us, my, my mom and my sister, uh, were here already at that point. She was um, about a week late, so that was not what we were expecting because my other pregnancies had been early or right on time. That kind of threw us off a little bit, but we decided when he went inpatient, we would all go to Vancouver and then stay overnight just in case anything happened. So he had his inpatient treatment and then he has to stay overnight so they can monitor and do hydration and flushing and um, and uh, I went into labor uh, early that next morning. Um, and so by like seven, seven, I had called the midwife in Vancouver, letting her know about my contractions. And she said she'd meet me at the hospital um, in about 30 minutes. So then uh, we headed over there and, um, and uh, thankfully <laughs> it was a shuffling, it was a very well choreographed a shuffling of people. Um, uh, my sister and my mom and uh, V and uh, my nephew, we all drove there and my sister dropped my mom and I off at the hospital at the women's labor and delivery entrance. Um, and so we went in uh, and she went with the boys and to park and then to go upstairs on the eighth floor where Nick and Nico were and so then uh, she stayed with the boys and Nico and and so that Nick could come down to where I was with my mom and then be there for for the labor and so um, it was quite a day uh, quite a, quite a day so then um, so she was born a few hours later and uh, and then later that day Nico was discharged and um, yeah, and so everything went uh, well, praise the Lord. And uh, who would have thought that um, we'd be at the, at the, you know, Nico would be getting treatment and his sister would be born, right? Just a few floors away from each other. So it was a crazy, uh, we have a crazy story to tell about her arrival. Yeah, so that, that is good news. Yes. You know, she was, she was born and everything went well there. Yeah. Okay. So, so everything was going well. It was working out well, and the, the chemo was starting to settle down, and you were getting used to that schedule. Right. What was the next thing? Yeah, so life got, again, we kind of got into the new routine, had the baby at home. Luckily, the family was there to help. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we did one or two more, two or three day stays at the hospital for fevers and those kind of things. Uh, but then uh, we found out 
the plan um, when we talk uh, for radiation. Mm -hmm. We talked to the radiologist at BC Children's and initially she thought they'd be able to do uh, radiation here in British Columbia, but that they always check with uh, the states that has some, uh, proton radiation. They always double check that that might not be a better option and it all depends on location, type of cancer, all these different variables. And so she met with uh, the people that she could connect with in, in British Columbia. And then um, in our discussions, we asked if where would we go if we went to the US? And she said, Seattle is the closest place that has proton radiation. So we asked, being that we're from Arizona, it, if all things were equal, could we go to Mayo Clinic in Arizona since that's where we moved from? My mom lives there, we could stay with her, we have friends, and uh, it's very familiar. So your fear with radiation was? Uh, well, from, from our conversation with her, um, before we knew it was gonna be proton, was a very serious secondary side effect. You know, the, the treatment area was equal for all radiations but the, the collateral damage, so to speak, are the secondary affected areas that, that don't have cancer. Um, when she went over that list of- uh, Long-term side effects. Long-term issues, you know, you lose an eye. Um, yeah. Definitely dissymmetry in the face. Mm -hmm. um, uh, adult teeth are in that area. Um, and, you know, in the end she said, the good news is, you know, there's gonna be no cognitive um, damage loss yeah and we're like uh you know it's like we it's, didn't even like oh just, yeah, <laughs> that's the good news you're expecting to you're expecting to see decrease in health you expect to see significant decline in health but it was such it was such a neat experience yes nico had his battles yes he had significant challenges along the way the lord sustained him every every step of the way I just remember just feeling, feeling so many emotions, but being, feeling just peace, just seeing what he was doing in their life and knowing that he promises to do that in all of our lives. Friends, if you are currently experiencing suffering and you're wondering how is it possible that all things could work together for good to those who are called by God and those who love him, I just want to encourage you with these words from the written word of God. They're found in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 where it says, Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that this kind of pain and suffering that was caused by cancer is not a part of your perfect plan and that we can turn to you and that you will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. I just want to remind you of the words of Jesus where he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca. Or you can go to IIW Canada YouTube and click on the videos tab. 
Once again, thank you so much for listening.